You're listening to the Justin C. Gleason Podcast. Please press follow and become a loyal listener. Select a five-star rating and support by giving through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. Thank you for listening, sharing, and your generosity. Sister G is my wife, the mother of our children, and the first lady of this podcast. (laughs) Hello, honey. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Finally. Yeah. You know, I talk about you a lot on the show. Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) You're pretty famous, and I'm sure some people have been wondering, is she even real? (laughs) Is he made up this woman? (laughs) But Here I, I am. I assure you all, she is very real. Well, happy Valentine's Day. Yes, happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, I've learned to love Valentine's Day, especially since I started celebrating with you. <laughs> yes. You are my Valentine. Yeah, forever Valentine. Yeah. You know, the Valentine's story is actually a lot of great history. The St. Valentine, he was a Catholic priest. And what happened was, in that time, the Roman emperor decreed that all uh, men, all the Roman soldiers, all the men could not marry because it was during a time of war and distress and chaos. And he felt that having a wife and family would be bad for his soldiers. Well, there was a lot of soldiers in love and engaged in, in whatever cultural context that was. And St. Valentine said, we are not stopping love in this empire. Life is too short. The family is the foundation of civilization. <laughs> And he started marrying uh, men and women in secret, like at, like at midnight in the forest. And he was caught and martyred. So it was uh, around true love and bloodshed, you know. So that's a story. I mean, you look, you study marriage through, uh, even throughout the Bible. And historically, it wasn't always as peaceful as it is nowadays. And one thing I see, I don't know if you've seen it. It's kind of becoming common, this whole secret dating and engagement and marriage thing. I mean, when we were dating, it was like day one, bam, we put, we're in a relationship on (laughs) Facebook. Well, I mean, if you really want to go back to the history of it, you shook my hand at a wedding, which I will say it was the most magical handshake I've ever experienced. Mm. Uh, And it was like four days later that you private messaged me on Facebook and asked for my number. And I, of course, immediately gave it to you. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I think we pretty much made it official right when you and I talked about making it official. I think that if you're hiding your relationship, I think it's, you're doing something you're not supposed to, you know, it's wrong. So it doesn't feel good. And it's hard for your friends. It's hard for people to be happy for you. It's hard to celebrate that when you're not when you're not and it's not something to be proud of. If it's if you're proud of it, why wouldn't you tell people about it? Mm-hmm. I'm sure every story is different, but generally, secrets don't make friends. Right. <laughs> True. What are you drinking over there? Uh, an iced coffee. Oh, I'm drinking a nice hot coffee. <laughs> yeah. Coffee's the most excitement you'll ever get. See, opposites attract people. <laughs> opposites attract. Yeah. Wait, what did I say? I should have said coffee is the, the, the only excitement you need nowadays. <laughs> that in this podcast. That's adult life, right? You there. just looked at me like, yeah, you're about to turn 40. <laughs> <laughs> Teach his own, and marriage is a personal thing, and how you do it is your business. But I, I'm seeing it not everywhere, but in a lot of instances. You know, people all of a sudden, you think they're single, and then bam, they're getting married like tomorrow. <laughs> Make an announcement. I get it. You know, social media is getting weird. You know, and a lot of people are taking their personal life off social media. Right. I get it. I think people just purposely are keeping it a secret, their, their marriage. And I'm not so sure that's the way God wanted it to be. 
And God, I think, kind of wants it out in the open, you know, wants men to speak for their wives and their wives to speak for men. And I, it's something, yeah, you should be proud of right. for somebody. But everybody's different. Some people like to keep it private. But, you know, people want to hear about uh, people's romance you know, in the church. I think people want to know that somebody is dating, somebody's getting engaged, somebody's getting married. You know, it's something to celebrate. It's like a... Yeah. We're already, as a society, drifting so far apart. Weddings are one of those things that's supposed to bring people together. Right. And I think Valentine's Day should bring people together. It brings people together, and it also <laughs> tears people apart. So Now, this is a subject to talk... First of all, do you think Valentine's Day is romantic? Well, of course it's romantic. It can also be heartbreaking for people who don't have anyone to celebrate it with. <laughs> well, that was me for a long time. And me too. Yeah, it was depressing. Right. But yeah, it is nice to do flowers and balloons and stuff. And especially now since we have kids, it is special. But I just think naturally it's not really romantic because of the, the history behind it. People had to marry in secret. They couldn't be open about their relationship. But thankfully for freedom now that we have. But I think it's a good time to take that next step for a couple to for their next step in their relationship. <laughs> I think in the future to say we made it official on Valentine's Day. Is that a good day? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, just my opinion. I think it's a good opinion. It's a good time of year to tell that special girl how you really feel. Of course. And it's, I mean, coming from somebody who up until you never, ever, ever had that or never had someone make her feel special. I mean, yeah. You want, you want to feel celebrated, and you want to feel like somebody out there is thinking about you and absolutely communicate it. You know, a lot of girls are liking the traditional stuff. Right. The word courting <laughs> is coming back. Pride and prejudice. Yes, old school. Very old school. Carriage rides. Mm -hmm. A lot of girls are just, they want the old-fashioned. They're tired of the cheap. They're tired of the, we say it, but we're not going to show it. Yeah, that is kind of weird. You know, the, 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 uh, you don't express it. You don't say it. You just kind of assume, you know. But yeah, you got to say it. I think words are very important in telling a girl how you really feel. Do you think for a girl to get something, maybe she's at work and the guy, they're not official, but she kind of knows, yeah, he's giving me extra attention. For her to get like a delivery of flowers at work all day long do it okay because i think i figured it out in dating you i figured it out yes you you enjoyed a nice steak dinner you enjoyed being with Ooh, me yes. but really it was about you enjoyed getting dressed up and going out and being seen with somebody i just enjoyed being taken out on a date now we were 20 years i was 20 years old you were 25 and as a 20-year-old girl, that was the very first time that anyone had actually ever said, I want to take you out on a date. Here's the time. I'm going to pick you up. And you took me out for a really nice steak dinner. And it, I, just, I just remember, like, I just was so in awe. It was so special, so sweet. And it was the whole experience. It was, wow, I, I mean, this is what a date is, like an actual date date with an actual really good guy but I think guys forget that women I mean we talk it's just it's a joke and it's a very common it's it's common knowledge women we we talk we talk all the time guys they don't talk that much they have a nothing box we all know this so it's a beautiful place <laughs> I wouldn't know <laughs> But in general, I think guys forget that women like words. Mm. We need words. We need to be affirmed. We need to know that we are adequate. We need to know that we are captivating. We need to know that we are enough. Um, words are powerful for women. Guys, you could go all day long without hearing a compliment and you're fine. You're confident. God created you that way, but girls need words. And so if you want to write it in a letter because you feel embarrassed or awkward, fine. That's even 
I, I would say more brownie points, but that's me. I'm simple. Some girls like extravagant things. Some girls are gifts. They, their love language is gifts. They want quality time. So I would say if you're trying to pursue a girl, you're really interested in her, get, study her, figure her out. I mean, ask a close friend, what is, you know, what does she like to do and pique her interest. If she's athletic, go challenge her to a basketball game. Go challenge her to a tennis game. What about axe throwing? (laughs) I actually want to do that. I know. I'm going to take you. (laughs) Yeah. Activities. Yeah. Quality time. Um, And again, dates don't need to be expensive, fancy steak dinners. Yes, those are great. And, you know, every once in a while. But really girls like, I mean, if she's one of those romantics and wants a picnic in the park, then pack a picnic basket and take her to the park. I mean, very simple, very easy. But figure out what she likes, figure out what her love language is, figure out what would speak to her and do it. It's, Absolutely. It's pretty Can you easy. repeat that again? That was really good. She, you want to, she wants to feel captivating. Yes. And feel good enough. Yes. Girls want to know that they, that they are beautiful. They want to know that they are valuable. They want to know that they, that what they're about smart. Well, of course. I mean, the Bible refers to wisdom as a she, right? Yes. <laughs> I've talked about that. Yes. I'll never forget that we were having a devotion in our apartment, first year marriage, and I'm trying to act all preacher to you, <laughs> pastor you in the apartment. It doesn't work, by the way. <laughs> and we're reading Proverbs, and I said, wisdom is always a female in this. And you like hit me on the arm, and you're like, yeah, don't you ever forget it. <laughs> and I haven't. I mean, yeah. there's truth, but yeah, the so captivating and make her feel like she is good enough. Yeah, I think that'll touch any girl's heart, and I think that's how God treats the church. Right. Yeah, you know, we're good enough for Him. Yep. That's loving, loving her as Christ loved the church. Those are very good principles, and to be captivating. I mean, like He needs to be captivated with her, like ooh. Yes, yeah. like an awe. You know, we were the cherry on the top of creation, you mm. know, and we need to be, we need to, we need to feel like it. <laughs> mm. That's good. But uh, doing a fun activity together with mixed company, I think is a great way to develop sparks. Absolutely. Feelings and in a godly you, manner. Yeah. And it lets you, you know, let loose a little bit, let your personality show and you can have fun. You can laugh. You can learn a lot about a person when you can just have fun and figure out common interests, even though mm-hmm. that isn't, that doesn't have to, I mean, you don't have to have everything in common. But a nice dinner is also a nice touch. Absolutely. You know, I thought you would order like a piece of lettuce there at the steakhouse, <laughs> but you ordered a steak and <laughs> enjoyed it. <laughs> Absolutely. Dessert, everything. Carnivore all the way. Over here. So I'm over there thinking she could put away some groceries. This could work. <laughs> but then the, the fun activities are great. Axe throwing. I think that would be a great date. Especially if she's like, can you show me how to, how to do this? <laughs> that could get dangerous, though. Someone could get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I've known of people to, like, it bounced off the back and it cut their leg. And, oh. Yeah. It could be dangerous. But then he could save her and rush her to the hospital. That could be romantic. Uh, there's definitely other, other ways to yeah. It'd probably be better if she got a flat tire and he fixed the flat tire or something like that. Yeah. I think girls That's like that, if, yeah. if he can fix her car. 100%. I've, I I mean. Or if he can kill a bat in the church. <laughs> true story, right? That is true. You did do that. You were my hero that day. Yeah. That was that was terrifying. What happened? We went we went out on like a group date with everybody, or we were about to about about to go on a group date with a bunch of people from the church hyphen group. Yeah, in Minnesota, and one of your friends came out, and she was the one that one of the ones that like cleaned the church was like a housekeeper, and she said, "Oh my God, there is a bat in the church." So I went in there, didn't have a gun, didn't have a knife, but there was a broom, and uh, we turned that into a weapon and took care of business. It was amazing. Yeah. Bagged Did you it up, took it outside? Is that the moment you knew I was the guy for you? No. <laughs> it wasn't. You were already the guy for me at that moment. Yay. <laughs> but uh, when did you know I was the guy for you? 
Um, it really didn't take too long. Um, let's see. We met July 2008. I think it by, it only took me about a month and a half to know you were it. Mm. And it's truthfully because I would ask you questions. I asked you very important questions early on in our getting to know each other process. If you're dating someone long distance, you're forced to just get to know the person over the phone through texting or just talking on the phone. I remember the very first phone call that you and I ever had. I looked down at my phone and I was like, oh my gosh, we've been talking for six hours. And my phone bill, this was back before like unlimited. And my phone bill was like 300 some odd dollars that month. <laughs> but who, offered, pay, who paid for it though? You did pay for it. I did. That was, you were very gentlemanly like, um, no, I knew I knew pretty early on. There was uh I was at work, I remember this, and I was on break and you had called me. I remember asking you, and I don't, really don't know where the question came from, but I just asked you right out of the blue and I said, When do you pray? And you kinda went through your morning routine and you you know, you mentioned when you get to praying and and where you pray and sometimes you pray in your office when you read the youth pastor at the time and I liked that answer. I knew it was genuine. I knew you weren't feeding me some kind of I'm an overly spiritual person, kind of a lie. I knew that your answer was dead hmm. on. I knew that you were genuine. I knew that you knew the word of God because your answer was so, but I just remember it being very authentic. And there were some other very personal, very important questions I asked you, and you were not afraid to answer them, and you answered them truthfully. And I knew because at 13 years old, you know, I, and I actually went back throughout our dating process. And I went back to my journal that I had, but I wrote out a list of everything that I wanted that I knew. And they were mature things that I wanted in my future spouse. Hmm. And I wasn't going to fool around and waste time on anybody. And that's why I was 20 years old before I went out on my first date ever, my first official date. And it's because I, I realized I have a lot to offer. I'm virtuous. I'm godly. Amen. And I am going to expect the same because I'm, and I think that everybody should view themselves as awesome and that they expect equally awesome. You should never settle. And I think that's important, especially for, for girls. You deserve exactly what you write in your little list and you were all of those things. And so I knew pretty early on because I asked very early on questions. I wasn't going to waste your time. If, if your answers to the questions that I wanted to know weren't going to, you know, make the cut, then I wasn't going to waste time. Mm-hmm. So I knew within a month, month and a half, maybe that mm-hmm. you were it. That list wasn't just a you and your list. That was a you and God and the list. A hundred percent. I included God in absolutely every decision. And that's because. If I didn't have God in the center of everything, it was all going to fall apart. I knew that the only way to have a successful life and to have a good future was to include God in all of my decision making, mm. um, pro- in all of the process of me making decisions, and including jobs, including just things that I would do within the church and to try to add value. And so I think it's without question that who you choose to marry is the biggest decision you will ever make in your entire life. Amen. It's easy to think that God wants to have nothing to do with it, like you're on your own Oh, for it. But you're reading the Bible stories like Abraham's servant asking God for a sign. Who shall I ask to be a wife right. for Isaac? Whoever serves me. And there, Rebecca comes out. Right. So God's involved in those things. If you'll ask him, talk to him about it. You know, it's there. Essentially, the person that you choose to be your your partner is going to be your life partner. This is the person that you are going to walk the rest of your life beside. They're they're going to be the person that you're going to have children with. They're going to be the person that you're going to buy a home with if you choose to buy a home. And all of these things are huge. God absolutely has the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with already picked out for you. He sure does. He's been grooming that person for you. So as long as you are doing your part to groom yourself and to be ready, um, I believe that 
you absolutely have the, the right to say, I expect the best because God is grooming the best for me because I'm taking the time to make myself the best mm-hmm. as well. And those things create already a good level of compatibility. Right. And you want to have that. And it's not talked about enough. I feel like so many people, like when we got married, people uh, would come up to me and say, man, bro, you married up. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I really don't feel that way, but that's really sweet. I feel like I hit the jackpot. <laughs> so, and and I I liked that. You know, I loved you know receiving compliments just on how amazing you are from from people in our church. You know, just uh-huh. how loved you are and welcomed you are, and everybody was just so proud. You know, to have you at our church and be my wife. I got to think about that. So, if I married up, that means Sister G had to marry down. Well, <laughs> I viewed like I married up, so it's perfect. <laughs> I guess if 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 the husband and wife both view that we both married up, I guess it's fine. Yeah. But I think you want to be compatible uh, and in making a list and already knowing what you want and already know what you should have and and what you deserve. You know, is a good thing to do. And all that is figured out in dating, and that's kind of the theme for this Valentine's Day that talked about in last week's episode, what we're doing now. It's, and I really haven't talked a lot about marriage in this podcast, and but we, I'm starting to and started to talk about having kids, things. But I just am of the opinion if you date in the will of God, you get married in the will of God. And God gave us great dating years. I remember I was really wanting to, after we had that talk, it was in October. 2008. And, you know, I asked God, why wasn't I married? To make a long story short, I've talked about it in episodes past. It was in 2005. I came home from Bible college and I was single and I was disappointed in myself. But I don't know why I didn't think in the light bulb didn't come on. Most people that graduate from Bible college don't graduate married. They're all single. Mm-hmm. There's only like three or four of them that graduate married. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was frustrated. God said, you'll see your wife in 2006. Well, I met a lot of suitable apostolic ladies, but none of them worked out. But there was one girl that I saw that I thought was absolutely gorgeous. Why, thank you. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl who I, who, so I just knew, ah, that probably won't work out. And then you and I meet in, in 2008. And I'd forgotten all about that word from God. He said, you're going to see your wife in 2006. But until you and I were talking... Because I saw you, you know, like 30, 40 yards away, and, and it was through a bunch of people at the hotel lobby at conference. I, it took me several months to compute and to realize you are the girl that I saw but didn't meet. You, I only saw you, mm-hmm. and you were the one. You were my wife. You know, when I told you all that, and I, re, I, re, I put it out there on the table, and it was like a major fleece for God right then and there, and I realized I, you can never forget about prophecy. It's real. It comes to pass. And we knew there in that moment, we didn't say we love you right then and there. We saved that for a special time. But if you remember right, I said, okay, I want to know what kind of engagement ring you want (laughs) by New Year's. (laughs) Thinking, trying to take a hint that you would tell me around maybe Thanksgiving or Christmas time. (laughs) But when did you tell me what kind of ring you wanted? Um, Maybe the next day? Maybe. (laughs) Well, you learned right then and there. I'm proactive. I'm a get-it-done kind of a gal, and I don't sit on things. Well, I think every (laughs) single girl would have done exactly what you did. Of course. I mean, every girl on the planet right now knows exactly what kind of wedding ring she wants if she's single. Or even if she's dating. She knows what she wants. But after you spoke with your family, people you trust, your pastor, your pastor's wife, I talked to my parents, we figured out, you know, you're, we're not going to get married that year, the fall of 2008, nor in 2009, but get married springtime 2010. Like a 21-month deal from the time we met till we got married. And I'll never forget, like, going, <sighs> okay. And the Lord spoke to me and said, 2009 is going to go by so fast. Yeah, and it did. And it did. But it was so awesome to have great dating years. It really set us up to be a family. Yep. We dated in the will of God. 
we dated and really because long distance you have a dis there's an advantage to long distance dating and a there's an advantage and a disadvantage and sure. the advantage is that you are forced to communicate you're forced to i mean you talk about anything and everything it's all on the table so you know that person pretty well but the disadvantage is you don't really get to know their idiosyncrasies you don't get to know if you know I don't know. I think dating is just that awkward phase of you put your best foot forward and you try to show the best of yourself. It's like a job interview stretched out in a huge length of time. <laughs> That's a good way you to put it. You try to sell yourself. <laughs> you know, you try to make yourself look like this awesome person. And then you live with that person and you're like, oh my God, I cannot believe this person squeezes the toothpaste from the middle and not the back. Or this person. Do we need to talk about this? <laughs> No, I'm just saying, dating does not really give you the, the the time or the ability to see the all of the little things that drive you nuts about another human being, and I, I mean, in a, in the best way possible. Dating <laughs> is a good way to be in love without responsibility. Yeah, you're yeah. supposed to have fun. You're supposed to get to know the person. You're supposed to make sure that you spend that time knowing, questioning. Can I live? Can can this person be the person mm. I spend the rest of my life with? And that's what it's designed to do. Yeah. And I, I did love that we spent so much time getting to know one another. And I think we needed oh, that yeah. time. And it was great. And God blessed it. Yeah. So. And the, our age, it was perfect. But you can imagine somebody who's maybe in their 50s. Oh. You know, they know that's right. Maybe they've already been married. Yeah. Maybe they're a, a widow or something. You know, they don't need all that. Yeah. When you know, you know. But when you're young, still kind of under your parents' watch, you know, you want to talk to your pastor, your pastor's wife, all that, and get their blessing. I tell you what, if you can keep your parents and your pastor in the loop, it's it's a shoe in. Yeah. <laughs> There's not going to be any red flags, but all these secrets. If you don't have your parents and your pastor on board, Maybe you don't have parents that are in the church, so okay. But if your pastor is not on board, you need to submit to your shepherd and listen to his wisdom because he sees things and hears things that you cannot see. Right. Because you are blind. You have these blind spots because you are so um, excited or enthralled with the, the idea of this person. And... <laughs> With the divorce rate, what what it is, I think it's, isn't it 55 or 60% of all marriages end in divorce now? Sounds about right. And if you don't heed your shepherd's advice, you could very well end in a shattered marriage, a broken heart, and no one to blame but yourself for not responding and not listening. I, I would say if you do not have your pastors, at least your pastors, um, go ahead in the green light and hit the blessing. I would hold off. I would wait. Mm -hmm. And then I would really get back into a prayer closet and make sure if you don't seek counsel, there's just a lot of things that you just don't want to, you don't want to set yourself up to fail. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure that you're submitted always. Mm -hmm. And keeping your pastor, your parents in the loop and your good friends, keeping people in the loop, it, it's to your benefit. You know, you, it, it'll really help you out, help you understand that because th that's saying love is blind. It's true. It is very true. When you have those feelings, <laughs> yeah, you don't see anything else. It all, it's almost and it's a like, good thing. Yeah, but it's almost like a spirit of pride because you don't, you don't care. Mm -hmm. You literally get to a place where you're like, well, that person's dumb. They don't, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm in this relationship. They don't know what they're talking about. And you get this spirit of pride almost, and you cannot see red flags. You just can't see it. Right. And everyone else can. It's... Take take word, <laughs> take the take the take the counsel of your pastor mm -hmm. and your friends and people who really have your your benefit your mm -hmm. back. Amen. The Bible tells us to do that. gotten a lot of listeners write me and talk about 
what can they do to survive spiritually in public school? You know, the public school is getting very, very ultra secular, very, very liberal. And they just feel like their faith that they have is like a direct challenge to the right. cultural environment of it. But then they feel like they can't stand up for themselves. It's like they can get walked over. You know, do you have any advice for any girl out there who's just really going through it right now in school or college and they just need some help on it, how to stay in touch with God? Yeah. Um, first of all, I would say I can feel for you completely. Uh, public school was not a cakewalk for me by any means. And I know that it's even worse now. I'm speaking to myself, you know, 17 years ago. <laughs> I just feel really old now. Um, but I would say, you know, you're going to come at it from all angles, really. Um, but I would say to literally keep God in your pocket. And I know that sounds funny, but I, I'll, I'll never forget. It was my junior year of high school, and I just was having a really bad week, and I was just really discouraged. Um, and I walked to my locker after um, getting to school. This was before first period. And I'm twisting the combination on my locker. And I can hear people behind me saying, you know, skirts, skirts. And so I knew I was being talked about. And I was so heavy. I was so overwhelmed. And I remember just being so emotional. I get I my the door on my locker opened and I just stuck my face in the locker because I was trying to fight back tears. And I just said, God, I really need you today. I just really need you today. I grabbed my books, threw them in my bag, and it was back when the one shoulder the bags with the one shoulder was cool. So I pull the bag over my right shoulder and I'm holding on to the straps. And so my left hand is down at my side and I shut my locker door and I turn left and I'm walking down the hallway and I can see the girls. So I knew exactly who they were out of the corner of my eye and they're just staring at me. And I was so heavy and I was so emotional and I'm, I'm not even kidding you. I am walking. My left arm is swinging down at my side and all of a sudden I felt a hand a literal hand grab my left hand. Mm. And I looked down and there was nothing there. Nobody was there. It wasn't a friend. Nobody came and grabbed me and said, hey, you know, it was just, there was a hand there. And there was like a, there was just that weight just lifted. And so I knew, you know, God is with me. I asked him, I need you, God. And he was right there. I could feel a hand. And I had little moments like that throughout my whole life where God just revealed himself in just such a personal way to me because I asked him, because I knew that I couldn't get through it without him. I knew that I needed him. And so I would just say to you sweet girls out there that are just battling it, you're battling the criticism, you're battling choices, you're battling all of it, hang in there and include God. He wants to be included in your day. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear you say, I need you. Because every guy wants to know that they feel needed. And God, especially your father, wants to know that he can be your champion and that he can be there for you. He will give you the mindset. He will give you the strength. But you need to include him. Whether that means you have to stick your face in your locker or you need to excuse yourself and go to the bathroom stall and just have a minute with God but just get there because he is readily available to show you that he's real, that he cares about every little teeny tiny aspect of your life, the big, the small, uh, a problem at work, a problem at home, a problem at school. He is wanting to fix your problems, but he needs to be included. So I would just say, keep that, keep God in your pocket. He's just a prayer away. And he was that for me that day. And I will never forget it. I will literally never forget it. But I had little moments like that throughout my life where I just, boom, it was just so in your face and I knew and God was with me. Mm. 
You were being mocked for your faith. Yes. Yeah, you and were most s- girls are. We are like targets because we are so obviously separated. We're so obviously separated in holiness, and it's an honor to God. Amen. We're honoring God by our separation and our holiness. And the world hates it, and they sure will do. they'll seek you out. But if you can get this mindset of, I don't care. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care what you think. Do you know the God that I serve? Do you know the power that I have? Do you know the level of anointing that I have? And normally that would not have bothered me. Like I said, I was just having a rough week. It was a Friday. And I had a rough week. And I just needed that assurance. Amen. Wow. Put your face in your locker. That's called getting in the prayer closet. Yeah. Well. <laughs> not praying to be seen, not praying to be heard, but praying to your father in secret. Right. And then that was an angel of the Lord. Yep. That took you by the hand. I've had that experience. It's real. Yep. Yeah. Angels are attracted to things like that. Amen. To suffer for the Lord, to suffer ridicule, especially for something like holiness. Right. They're very attracted to it. Yeah, you're never alone. Never. Wow. And I'm getting chill bumps <laughs> right now thinking about that. Yep. You've got professors that want to downgrade you for something you want to write in your assignment. You know what? Write it anyways. Take the grade cut. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter. Your GPA doesn't matter. The level of education you want to achieve, great. Good for you. That's wonderful. But if it's going to compromise something that you believe in, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's just not. You'll receive your reward in heaven Absolutely. one day for that. Yes. So yeah, it's possible to make it in school and serve the Lord. Yep. Yeah. Those years goes by, go by so fast, and you'll be glad you stuck with it. And you're never alone. Amen. There's always an angel there with you. Yep. Amen. Praise God. You, uh, you taught a lot of Bible studies when I did. you were a kid yep. and a teenager and saw success with that. Uh, how did that kind of get started for you? Well, this is kind of, I'm embarrassed to say it, but as you know, honey, I'm very competitive. <laughs> um, so it's good. When, when I got the Holy Ghost and I got baptized, I was 10. And I actually got the Holy Ghost at a Spirit of Pentecost Crusade in St. Paul, Minnesota. And Billy Cole preached that service, by the way. Wow. Um, I turned 11 years old, and our church was doing a competition, and they had a big trophy up by the pulpit. And, I mean, it was tall. It was like two and a half feet tall, and I wanted it. And you, whoever taught the most Bible studies uh, in the church got to have this trophy. And I thought, I can teach a Bible study. No problem. I'm a sanguine. I, you know, I don't meet a stranger. And it just went from there. So I, one summer, I was 11 years old. Actually, I was almost 12 at the time. I turned 12. I was 12 when, the, when I won the trophy. But I grabbed a clipboard and I decorated it with stickers. I stuck uh, a piece of paper on that clipboard and I went door to door. I went from neighbor to neighbor. And I just asked them if I could teach them a Bible study to help me win a prize. And they were motivated. My neighbors were motivated. <laughs> and I taught, I think, 35 people that summer just said yes because they wanted to help me win a trophy. And it just, this love for discipling people, this love for seeing light bulbs click for people was just, it went from there. So it turned into... I'm embarrassed to say I really wanted a trophy, but I fell in love with teaching Bible studies. I fell in love with the Word of God even more because at 10, I knew nothing, nothing about, you know, the why. Why do we do this? Why are we oneness? Why why do we have to obey Acts 2.38? Why do we need to obey Acts 2.38? Um, and it just flourished. So, Amen. Yeah. And becoming a teacher, you get smarter. Absolutely. You pick up on... A lot, a lot of things. Yep. You know, when you start teaching and uh, just becomes a part of you, becomes a part of your vocabulary, part of your thinking, your, gets in your heart. Wow, that's awesome. And there's a lot of greater things out there, tools right now for 
students to use that we didn't have access to, like P7 clubs and things like right. that. Yes. And with the way things are going in the world right now, I think a lot of students out there th- are saying, this world is, is not forever. And, Absolutely. And they're hungry for something spiritual. Things got dark real quick. They sure did. Yeah. God help us. What would you say right now to the young mother out there right now in church? They're just really worried about their kids, whether, you know, in any case, whether they're going to go to public school, a Christian school, a home school, any type of school, but they're just worried about what's this world going to do to my kid? What are things that moms need to do to help train up a child in the way that they should go in, in our generation? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm kind of right there in the thick of it. I don't like what I see being taught in schools. And the thought of that being indoctrinated into my small child is just gross. You know, most things that most, you know, R-rated things are being taught to kids back in my gener in our generation when we were like 13, 14, 15, we were past the age of innocence. Now they're trying to indoctrinate little little ones before their age of innocence and that's that's dangerous that's very scary and so I I agree I I I can feel for that mother because I am that mother I would say one thing that you can do um one thing that you have to do if you want to ensure that your child is going to make it is you have to do devotions you have Mm. to keep the word of God in your home and you need to keep it open and you need to um just make that a priority your children have to learn how to pray. Your children have to see that prayer is just as much part of our routine as brushing our teeth. Our spiritual hygiene needs to match our outer hygiene. Yes. Um, absolutely figure out, if you're going to send your child to public school, um, do your research. I would say figure out what is being taught in that school, what is being acceptable. Um, I know in some schools, in some districts in California New York, they have gotten even far more liberal than some other states in, in what they're teaching. But I would say the very best devotion that, devotional that I've come across for, for children is um, The Seeds of Jochebed. Kim Haney is one of my favorite authors, and she writes a great devotional Absolutely. Um, for that. But you need to keep your home very open. And I would say that no topic should be off limits. If your child comes to you and they want to talk about something, you need to be willing to have that discussion with them because a lot of previous generations like to sweep things under the rug or not talk about it because it was uncomfortable for them to talk about this world will figure out a way to talk about the things that you are uncomfortable talking about and you want your children need Mm. to hear it coming from you they need to know that this is how my parents feel about it because this is how the bible feels about it and if you won't talk about it if you won't teach your children the world will teach your children which would you prefer you need to have open and very honest conversations and age appropriate, of course. But it is not time to just put the wool over your eyes and pretend like, you know, your five and six year old aren't learning about things that they shouldn't be learning about because they are. They're going to school with kids who have come from abusive homes. Those kids are now acting out on those. Those kids are now saying things that they're hearing. And your children are then in turn seeing things that they shouldn't be seeing and hearing things they shouldn't be hearing. Kids at younger ages are coming to school with phones, phones that do not have restricted internet access. And so it's just important to guard your children's hearts, to pray over them daily, to plead the blood of Jesus over their minds before they leave the house. And if you're dropping them off in the car line, take your hands, lay your hands on your kids and pray over them. Pray that the angels of the Lord will, will go with them. Pray that the Lord would shield them Shield their eyes, shield their ears from things that they should not see, that they should not hear, and pray for their friends. Pray that your children make good friendships, quality friendships, Mm. friendships that will edify and not be destructive. I would say that those are the most important things right now. And really, pray like you've never prayed before, Mom. If If you don't have a consistent prayer life, get one. Make that a priority because you won't make it and your children aren't going to make it in this day and age without 
prayer because really God makes up for all of our, it, it, all of our lacking. And so if, if we feel like we're forcing, if we feel like we're nagging, maybe take a step back and just ask God to intervene and he will ask God to give your children God moments. And I pray that over our children. Every night before they go to bed, I pray, Lord, reveal yourself to them in ways that are personal to them, like you did for me. Like that time you grabbed my hand in the hallway of my high school, I knew, without a shadow of a doubt. And if you can, as a parent, pray that those moments would shake your children. I mean, those are moments that will take them through the rest of their life. They could turn back and pinpoint, you know, the spirit of error. The spirit of confusion will come over your children. It's a temptation. It's in the, it's in the end times. But if your children can say, uh, no, because God showed himself to me back when I was eight years old, and this is how he did it, your children will hang on to those moments. They will be etched forever in their memory, in their mind, and they will be able to make through some of the toughest Jesus. decisions, some of the toughest challenges in life because they will have God moments. And your prayers hold weight. Your prayers will absolutely carry them through. And I think back to my mom, uh, me and my brother, we went through our teen years, we went through public school, and you know what she did? She got up at 3 a.m. She used to get up at 4 a.m. to go to work, but she would get up at 3 a.m., an extra hour, our whole high school career, four years. In Minnesota winters, she'd get out there in her car and she'd go to our high school parking lot. It was dead empty. Sometimes she said I'd get out of the car and I'd walk. Sometimes I just stayed in the car. Sometimes I took my car and I drove around the perimeter of your school, but I would pray against school shootings. I would pray for your homework. I would pray that you guys had understanding of the academics. I would pray that God would protect you. I would pray that God would take temptations away from you, but I prayed. And I can tell you, I can tell all the listeners that that is exactly why I am here today. It's because I had a mother who knew how to touch the throne for us. Praise God. Mm. For all the moms, just touch the throne for your children. No matter what comes, the enemy can't pierce it because the enemy can't touch a praying mother. He mm. can't. He can't prevail through a praying mother. He just can't. Mm. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Wow, God has joined this conversation. Phenomenal, phenomenal advice. Lastly, right now, I just sense a spirit in the earth. Right now, that there's a lack of motivation to work. Mm. A lack of motivation to get out there and, and do something with your life, with the skills and the talents that God has given you. And it's a great time to really go out and get a career because companies are just <laughs> looking to hire. And you know, in talking to you, I remember when we were dating, you, you got promoted to a manager with a certain company. You were a very accomplished nanny. You did other things. What would you say right now to a girl that's, you know, she's 16, 17, she's got time on her hands, she wants to get out there and start making money and, and work and do something. What's something that she can do to start making it happen, whatever career she's going to choose? Yeah, um, basically, I, I had a job since I was 15. I was motivated. I wanted money. <laughs> and I wanted to save for a car, so I got a job when I was 15. It was minimum wage at the time, which was $6.50 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you can imagine I had to work a lot to save for a car, but um, I would say to any girl trying to, to work and save and better yourself, show up a few minutes early because mm -hmm. then you will never be late and stay past the time that you're supposed to punch out. I was noticed by my managers when I was 16 that I got a job at Mall of America at a retail store and... Uh, I did just that. I stayed late if I needed to, to help out. Um, and when I was at work, I was not on my phone. I was working and I was giving it my very best. You know, my parents demanded the very best out of our chores. And so I just had a really good work ethic growing up. Um, that's just me though, personally, not everyone has, has that kind of same drive, but Right now, jobs are hiring. They're signing on people for bonuses just because they can't get anybody to work. But if you're that, if you're, you know, motivated and you want to make money, you'll get promoted if you just do the job you're asked to, but then look around and see what else you can do that you're not being asked to do. Your manager will notice you 
left and right, you know, and you'll be a shoe in for a promotion, but definitely just show up. And, and honestly, if you, if you get to your job and you think, man, I'm doing this under the Lord, you know, would, would Jesus be proud? Would I be, you know, would I, would my manager think, you know, that I'm, if I'm this self-proclaimed Christian, but I have terrible work ethic, I slack off, I have a bad attitude. Is that really showing Christ? Well, probably not. So no. do it under the Lord, give it your best. And I would say that's just going to set you up for, for life in general, having that attitude. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great thing to do to have a job in your teen years, going into your college years. Yeah, keeps you busy, keeps you out of trouble. And it gives you the opportunities to have skills, skills that'll carry you on in life. I mean, I, I look back and I'm so thankful that I had nannying experience because I'm a mom now. And that was directly hands-on and on-the-job training before I had ours. So I'm thankful. Awesome. Wow, phenomenal insight, honey. You always do. Well, thank you. You are truly <laughs> the wisdom <laughs> that... Uh, now. The loyal listeners and myself need you are you're awesome. I love you so much. Love you too, hun. Thank Happy you. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day.